Welcome to CBuzz, the Columbus Chamber of Commerce's award-winning podcast. Our show is presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. My name is Michaela Hunt, brand journalist and your host for CBuzz, where we bring you unique and truly impactful stories directly from leaders right here in our central Ohio business community. We are coming to you from our home at Capital University's Convergent Media Center, a collaborative space for students and faculty to study music, film, creative writing, and digital media. We're excited to tell incredible stories through this platform. Today, we're sitting down with Jamie Stevenson, Vice President of Operations of Danis. Danis is a third-generation, privately-owned construction management company serving the Midwest and Southwest regions of our country. Danis specializes in public and private building and industrial projects. Jamie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. You're currently the VP of Operations at Danis here in Columbus. So let's like dig in first and tell us a little bit about the business, the business model. So Danis is a construction management firm, but we love to build. So that's kind of our tagline. We do a lot of self-perform. That's a bit of our secret sauce here, actually, in Columbus. We're headquartered out of Dayton. John Danis is the family still that owns Danis, and it's a 1916 founded firm. So it's been around for a long time, over 100 years. We have offices in Cincy, Columbus, where I'm at, and then Jacksonville and Raleigh. And so we really specialize in clients that really appreciate value, buying, and kind of what we can bring to the table. And we have a lot of things that are solving some real problems in today's economy. You've got resources issues, you've got things that are uh, people need to get done on time and fast, and how can we do that with less than what we've had in the past? And then you've just got inflation and budget issues across the board. All through COVID, I mean, the numbers just kept going uh, through the roof each, almost month over month, the inflation rates were just staggering. And so how do we balance that? And what can we do for our clients to really help that? And so we stay in that private sector mostly. And the market sectors that you mentioned, we really focus on. We've been healthcare builders since day one. And then uh, as we've seen the market change, we really got focused into food and beverage and advanced manufacturing as well as life sciences. You may not know, but Columbus is really becoming a hub for life sciences. It's starting to grow and incubate. Really cool here. Talk a little bit about the projects you've done in that life science space, if you could. Yeah, for sure. So we are doing a project for Sarepta out at Easton, and that's their gene and cell therapy center of excellence. They're a Boston firm, but Sarepta bought a firm called Myonexus out of Nationwide Children's, and they bought the Duchenne muscular dystrophy therapy. And so the group and the scientists all were from Columbus. And so this amazing kind of technology and and science work that's coming out of Nationwide and OSU is just really amazing. Like we have so many talented people here. And so they decided, uh, Sarepta did, that we're going to stay put here and we're going to start creating this gene and cell Therapy Center of Excellence. So Sarepta and others that you work with who are like Sarepta and some of these other areas you were talking about, healthcare, food and beverage, mm-hmm. and I know you do senior living, cultural lifestyle, historic, mm-hmm. you guys really do a lot. What has been the key to your success? You talked a little bit or teed up a little bit about solutions that mm-hmm. you guys provide coming out of COVID and some of the factors that we saw with it. What do you really believe your key to success is? So that's a great question, right? Because there's so many good construction management firms in Columbus, um, but we really want to be an extension of our client. We want our client to be the hero of the story, not Danis. We just want to be in the background and doing really, really great work. And so outside of that, you know, what differentiates us then from other construction management firms? And so we got into this prefabrication scenario not too long ago. Um, 
and everybody's dabbling in prefabrication, right? Because you got to do more with less resources. So we started for Mercy Healthcare and we did a prefabrication center on site, a 16,000 square foot tent that we're, we were rolling out exterior panels with studs, sheathing, air barrier, and picking it from the crane and putting it right up on the building. So before the building and the final concrete pour is done, we're already putting the exterior framing on it, which is pretty wild. The speed to revenue is incredible. So we've taken that concept. We continue to innovate beyond that. And we're doing this for our hospital up uh, for Mount Carmel Health up in Dublin off of 270 in Sawmill. So if you drive by, you'll see the crane up I, there. I've definitely com- seen yeah. it. Yeah. You might now see the white tent up there. That's our prefabrication center. So it's really cool. Very cool. You know, given the work that you do for Danis, what are you passionate about and why do you do what you do? Yeah. So, you know, I'm always been an operation background, civil engineer. Uh, I love just the building side of things for sure. When I came here, I was doing that as well. And then as I continued to accelerate within Danis into the leadership positions, I really got involved into the business development and marketing. And why did I do that? I think primarily because for me, it was another opportunity to expand my knowledge and grow instead of sort of being in that one spot position, marketing BD, doing this kind of stuff. It's not in my nature. I'm more of an introvert. Type I really? I'm, Cause I'm not getting that <laughs> vibe from you right now. Uh, so I have to, when I'm done, I have to go decompress and kind of chill out for a while. But because of that, then I went through some really cool executive coaching and really I was always passionate about you know, people underneath me coming up into the business and how can I impart on them what I've learned and educate them. I was never fearful of my job. My first project actually was with HBE, a hospital building and equipment company here in Columbus. And we were doing the Adamsmark Hotel, which is the rent, which is now the Renaissance on third and gay. And I had a phenomenal superintendent on there that did the same thing. He mentored everybody. He could speak to the CEO, to the guy with a shovel digging the ditch. He was just that kind of guy. And so that really impacted me. And so through that process, what really I'm passionate about is seeing our our people grow. I mean, our people are everything to us as they should be for every company. And we really invest in them. We invest in their development. I spend time with them, coaching them, imparting on them the things that I've learned in that, in that perspective. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you're seeing these people just really absorb to it. They love it. They need that. They want that interaction. They want to know that the company cares about them and that they have a continued career growth and path. And they also really want the critical feedback. Like, where am I doing well? Where do I need to improve? What do you think is one of the best lessons you learned back on that HBE project years ago from that guy that you still carry today and then share with employees that you coach? 100%. Um, I think the fact that he was so diverse in his ability to communicate powerfully and prolifically to the CEO of the company. He was intelligent. He could speak his language all the way down and explaining exactly what needed to be done to the person that was digging a ditch. And he didn't look at anybody lesser than, than anybody else. He treated them the same. And so I think that from my standpoint, that's one of the things that I want to take away with because while I'm in a leadership position, I don't think that I'm the boss of anybody. We all have such skill sets and important role within the company that everybody's got to come together. I learned a long time ago, if you try to row that boat by yourself, it's really tough. (laughs) Do you know Rudyard Kipling, the poem, If? No, I don't. If you can walk amongst those. It's a great poem. And Mm -hmm. everything you just said kind of encompasses that to be able to do what you can with the top 
person yeah. in the company to the one who is digging the ditch. I, I, I think that that is a talent and a skill that is so important um, in the degree of what you're talking about and the work that you do. So thank you for just sharing that something that you took away from that yeah. relationship you had with him. Um, community engagement, you kind of talked mm-hmm. a little, alluded a little bit about this. It's an essential element of what you do. So um, I, there's something constructing hope. What, is, yeah. what does that have to do with? So that's our tagline within Danis that allows our employees to really get invested. So we want to construct hope within the communities that we work, live, and play. And we really allow people to focus on what they're passionate about. And so here in Columbus, you know, if you're a passionate about green spaces and things like that, then get on Green City Columbus and get involved there, right? Uh, we're involved with the Chamber of Commerce, volunteering hours there with Junior Achievement. Um, I think one of the really cool things that I got involved in, I came on the backside of Leadership Columbus in 2020. And through my community impact project, um, I got involved with the New Salem Baptist Church. And all of a sudden, COVID came and our project kind of shut down. And it's like, okay, well, there's really needs here. How can I continue to step in and help? And the people, uh, Adam Troy, particularly out there at New Salem Baptist, I'm like, hey, what else do you guys do? What can I get involved in? He's like, well, we have a food pantry. So I've been there every Wednesday since. And it's just a great community of people that I get to serve with. But the people that we're serving and the need that's out there, especially in food scarcity and all of that that the city is faced with, I don't know that sometimes that's as visual as it should be within Columbus. And so, you know, we're gifted and we're just given so much opportunity to do some amazing things working for Danis. Like it's really important for us and our company to give back and for people to give back because the next generation that we're seeing come out, they want more than just building, right? Right. So I I love that kind of constructing hope within the company, but also by what you do outside of it too. I I feel that from that story you just told. Let's talk a little bit about the trades and the construction Mm -hmm. field. You and I, I think are both familiar with the challenges and the need to grow and invest in that future generation who is interested in the field, identify and grow. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you do that right now, specifically in that industry? So for for the first thing is we have a phenomenal co-op program and we utilize all the universities within Ohio. And every semester, every rotation, we might have 40 co-ops within the three offices, 40 to 50 co-ops. And we do an amazing uh, co-op challenge in the summer, every summer that every co-op gets to come. We bring university uh, teachers and administrators in to see what we're actually doing. And these co-ops are actually building things. So the challenge might be to hang a door frame in the hardware or form a concrete foundation. And these these are students that are going to school for construction management, civil engineering, and they're actually working with their hands to see how things built. So when they're actually in the office doing project management, they know how all this stuff comes together. And so that program, we probably, you know, have just an amazing uh, foothold in that. And that has really been our lifeblood and it just continues to fuel Danis. Flip to the field side, that's a whole different story. Trying to find field tradespeople is very difficult. So the Builders Exchange, we have student outreach into the high schools that we'll go and speak at and try to show interest in what the construction community can look like. I think far too long we've been driven by college is the only answer, and it's really not. I have five kids, and some of them are in college, some are in sheet metal apprentice, and that's where they belong, that's where they fit, and that's where they're excelling. And so I think that if we can continue to showcase within the high schools here in Ohio that you can, you can have an amazing career uh, coming into the trades out of the gate, whether it's with Danis, 
starting as a laborer or carpenter or the electrician, electrical union, sheet metal union, you know, by four or five years, when your friends are graduating college with a little bit of debt and now they're getting in, these, these folks are ahead of the game by far. And they're making good money because with so little resources, with the big announcements like Intel coming into play, the labor uh, rates are just shooting through the roof. Yeah, we, we need people. And when there is not a low supply and a demand, you're going to be able to yeah. get the wages that you're looking for when you have those kinds of talents or develop those kinds of That's talents. Right. So we're, we're into the career technical schools. We're bringing on uh, high school students to work on the field. We're just anywhere we can innovate and uniquely find solutions. One of them is we're working with the Columbus School of Deaf. And so we have our first deaf student on a construction site. And it's amazing. He's such a hard worker. He's a rock star. And just removing the fear of, wow, how is this going to work out there? It works just perfectly fine as we continue to add signage and notification. And we talk about what's going on, right? And how this is, why this is so important. How did you guys decide to make that connection? I just think that's a fabulous nugget that people could take something away from. How did that all come to be with Columbus School? So it came, it came because I think uh, Dustin in my office... Um, and his wife were involved in doing some kind of coffee thing. And it was with this Columbus School of Deaf. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, we have some people here that are really interested in construction. Would you guys ever consider it? Because generally, you know, that's not a, that's not a place that you're going to find uh, tradespeople like that. And so we said, well, I think we can give this a try. And so we talked about it. We talked through the, all the safety constraints because we're safety's paramount in our company, right? So we have to make sure that everybody is working safely. And once we got over that barrier and pulled the trigger and did it once, like, okay, wow, this is possible. And it's not nearly as hard as we thought it might be. I'm going to pivot to a different area because, you know, I'm a storyteller at heart. That's why we're having this conversation. It's what I've done my entire career. How does, I guess not even how does, but how must a construction management company tell a compelling story of the future look of a particular project? How do you go about doing that, whether it's to a client or whether it's to the outside world at Danis? Yeah. So if I think I'm understanding the question, right, like where we really excel is that we are in front of the project before, as the client is thinking about what's next. And so from there, we can start to create what that vision is going to look like. Um, we'll bring in design partners with us as well. So they have an idea, hey, I want to build, here's what my space looks like. I want to build 100,000 square foot. What can I possibly do? On the healthcare side, we can create that vision. We can create what the structure looks like, what it, how it's going to fit in the fabric of the community. Um, and then for the client, we can really talk about at that very conceptual level, what it should cost because of our experience. We've done this for, you know, decades and decades. So we know what the market's fluctuating at, and then we can envision to them, like they need to get in a certain time. Speed to revenue is important. When can I start generating that? And so when we're running against hurdles with materials, right? All the, all the warehouses and f fabrication issues that we're having in long lead times, what do we do differently? And so we've got to start to invest in some early procurement. As we're thinking about the design, we're going to start honing in on what say size switch gear we need or what size chiller we need. And we're going to release those before the design is fully complete. So you've really got to be on top of your game because that's a lot of moving parts and pieces that all have to connect at the end. And so there's 
a ton of tools that, you know, graphically and 3D modeling that you can do um, that are really important to showcase that. And as, as the client then sometimes has to go out and get funding and financing, right? How can we create that vision for them alongside them? And even maybe some VR, some VR goggles and their donors can see what's going on and like, wow, this is pretty cool. Okay. That's amazing storytelling. Yeah. Very advanced. Yeah. You, you were mentioning something inside this and I just want to get your opinion. Um, how long is it going to be until we see some of these resources easier to get? I mean, like if you're projecting it, it might, it might be really hard to tell the future, but you guys have, have, it sounds like have created a situation where there are solutions to get through it mm-hmm. based on your prefab conversation. But how long is it going to take to us to get back to a place where things might look better? I just feel like we've been talking about this for a long, for time. A long time. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, as inflation kicks in, it'll level off. I don't know that it will ever go back to where we were pre-COVID, but that's okay. We'll work around that. I think as it relates to materials and saying, hey, I've got a project that I want to get done in 12 months, but I don't have switch gear for, you know, 60 months. What do I do? Like, that's a big deal. I think that some of the, most of the supplies are starting to rebound and, and, you know, have more, much more reasonable lead times, but still things like switch gear, custom air handling units, chillers, they're very complicated and they're still taking a lot of time. Things that have chips in it can then sometimes have a delay as well. But I think we're seeing that kind of can come back to some kind of normalcy. I think the real big challenge is, is the trades. I just think that until the shift happens where we're allowing, um, students, young students to see construction as an opportunity and not that I'm always just holding a hammer, right? It's a highly technical, like when I get technological area. Yeah. Yeah. Like to build stuff with your hands is not easy. And uh, I think it's, it's a worthwhile career. And by the way, they can continue to grow within that uh, track and become superintendents and run projects. Danis also, as you mentioned earlier, operates in other cities. What have you learned in those markets that will be used in Columbus and, and how do they compare to us? So I think like on the life sciences side of things, um, Raleigh, for example, is much more robust on the life sciences side of things. So, you know, understanding what they're doing and what the trends are down there and how can we then take some of what they're doing from there into here. So, for example, there's just a ton of wet lab space in Raleigh and Columbus in Ohio in general doesn't quite have that. And so how do we build that? You know, there's the need, but yet someone's got to put the capital outlay to actually put the incubator space in. And so I think that, you know, couple great agencies, Jobs Ohio is playing a major role in creating, you know, uh, financing for life sciences space. But you've got great companies that have come here like Amgen, Sarepta, Forge, Andalin, all these great life science manufacturing companies that are doing that. And OSU and the other universities around here are starting to, you know, they're already creating students that are just amazing in the sciences, right? If we can have the have the companies here in Columbus, then they're more likely to stay. It's fun to go to Boston and San Francisco, but the cost of living and lifestyle is way different than it is in Columbus. And Columbus is a great place to live. Speaking of it being a great place to live and, and just the building that you all do, how can a vibrant downtown really contribute to the overall allure of a growing region? Especially, you know, as a city's character like Columbus evolves from a focus on government and traditional industries to some of these that we've been talking about today. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, the more we get people to back to work, like at work, that's going to be a big deal. So, and this is such, (laughs) right, it's a controversial subject at times, but like you feel 
the more people come to a downtown to work, it is just going to increase the allure. Yeah. Well, I think that what you're seeing, some of the transformation in the office space, there's a lot of office space and people have vacated it. They're transferring it into multi-use. So a lot of apartments, a lot of office, a lot of mixed use. So that's really important. And there's a lot of businesses that already exist here. If the people aren't here, if they're not coming back to work or living down here, then those businesses then suffer. So I think that, you know, maybe we didn't see that consequence early. Like what happens with all the the companies that have to do business in town and the people aren't there anymore. So I think that the idea of Columbus trying to create a lot of this mixed use development downtown is a huge effort into that. And so taking some of the more traditional office buildings and creating multi-use, that's one way to do it, right? So will we come back to where we were prior? Probably not, but you know, to some level, I think so. And then I think as Columbus continues to grow, it's unique it's uniquely different than a lot of cities because there's so much land. And so to go vertical is much more expensive than it is to go horizontal. And right now we can still continue to go horizontal, but North market's on the rise now. So that'll be exciting. And Hilton just finished a tower expansion downtown. I think before that, it's been quite a while before we saw a tower expansion downtown and Wexner Medical Center. There's another one for you. So you think we will continue to see more of that because we are taking up that horizontal space for sure and that's where we will go and, and continue to grow eventually you're going to have to right you're going to have to go up and then you know you got to deal with the logistics of transportation and yeah. all of that that's for someone else to solve it's the ne- <laughs> and it will be the next chapter though people have been talking about that for a while but maybe we have to do the thing we have to go vertical before we actually make right. some decisions on what happens with the transportation piece for of sure. it because it'll get it'll get packed real quickly trying yeah. to get everyone downtown you know How important is the construction management industry in promoting a city's vitality? How do you feel like we're having a great conversation about it, but how do you fit into that with clients Mm -hmm. and the advisement that you give them? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question too, because we've started to find some success at really getting in early with companies that are considering Columbus. And so who are the, who are the organizations that are pitching Columbus, number one, and then how can we connect with those organizations to help a company, say the company's coming from France, right? Well, they know how to build in France all day long. Well, how do I build in the United States and more? How do I build in Columbus? Like if I were to build in France, I would probably be very overwhelmed, like with permitting and authorities having jurisdiction and all totally different. Absolutely. So we can come in and talk about that. So the process isn't very scary. We can get you in in the timetable you're looking for and the land that you're looking for. Like once we understand the business case for what they're building and why they're building it, is this the right location? Um, If they're looking for expansion, are they too landlocked in the, in the spot that they picked? If they know that they're going to have growth in five or 10 years, then you want to position them, their building in, in such a way that allows that growth without pain. Because sometimes, you know, you're looking at the thing that's just in front of you, but we got to be able to look at what the long-term uh, plan is for a client and make sure that we're trying to influence and, and the best decisions that they have to make. I love it though, that you're, you do traditional business development, I can tell, but you also... I would call it non-traditional, maybe it's not, but to partner with those who are looking for your clients and trying to attract them to come into the vicinity. Absolutely. Because they, they are great at what they do, right? And attracting businesses, but they don't necessarily understand the whole intricacies around construction or what the costing is or what the labor market looks like and what the procurement market looks like. So we can really bring a strong sense of that. And it's not, we're, we're helping out because we just, we love Ohio. We love Columbus, Cincinnati, Dayton. So it's not that we, we're saying, Hey, we want this job. We want to 
be a really great resource because I think when you do good things like that and you're just helping people out, then things just work out well for you in the end of the day. And so we just want to be just good partners within our community. I'm going to ask kind of an edgy question. Mm. Can the rest of a region survive and thrive Mm. if its downtown is in decline? What's your opinion? Oh, I don't know. I think that that's kind of tough. I think you do need a downtown, right? Um, I, we talked earlier, you're from St. Louis and, and I spent some time out there. And then just recently within the last year, I was in St. Louis and outside of the ballpark area, the areas around it are really a different thing that I ever would have imagined. When I went back, I was excited to go to, to the Cleese Landing and places like that. And it was not what I had envisioned. And I'm like, what happened here? And so it just kind of moves and positions around. I think Columbus, though, is doing a really great thing. They've got some great developments on the Scioto Peninsula. They're really thoughtful about the waterways and how they can use them. Um, the walkability, the rideability within Columbus is phenomenal. So many bike paths and things like that that people can get around. So I think that vibrancy is just huge for what we have to offer. And there's just so much there's so much there for people to explore. It's interesting as a comparison to St. Louis, not just from being familiar with that area. I mean, they also have 270, just like we have 270 yeah. in Columbus. Uh, but when you talk about Laclede's Landing, and I think about some of those other places. It's been a while since I've been back. But yes, how do your suburbs look if things are in decline downtown? And if people are just going to see the Cardinals play, right. and then what are they doing otherwise from an economic development standpoint downtown? There are challenges. Right. Um, you painted the picture for me. For those of you who are familiar with St. Louis, you probably <laughs> painted it for you too. Well, and Columbus is unique because there's just so many people that are continuing to come here, right? Um, so many industries that are now popping up and developing. We've been we've been great on logistics and a lot of these other things, but with the life sciences kind of growth and some other advanced manufacturing EV batteries, like that's that's really exploding here. Where are the people going? Intel's coming. Where are the people going? And so I don't think that we're we can even build fast enough. We're not pulling enough housing permits to keep up with that. So that's a huge thing. And so that housing is sprawling. I live up in the Delaware area and I think Olentangy's building their 17th elementary school. And Amazing. it's just mind boggling to think, right? They just can't get there fast enough. And so that vibrancy, I think Columbus is really shielded a lot, maybe from some of these other comparable cities, but there's also just, you know, great leadership here, you know, uh, one Columbus, Columbus Partnership, uh, the, I think the state in, in itself, right? They're all kind of working in concert together to really... Uh, Have a vision. Yeah, and see Ohio... And execute uh, it. See Ohio grow, like, you know, from what it was. Like, I'm from Pittsburgh originally. I thought Ohio was kind of like farm country, but it's not that <laughs> it's at all. It's not that at all anymore. <laughs> no. Um, a couple last questions for you um, that I that I wanted to ask. What type of impact do you think Danis is having in this area, given this moment? So I think we're having a, a really great impact. I think that, you know, we're building some quality projects. Um, we're building some great client relationships. I think our impact within the community in Constructing Hope is really exceptional. The different organizations that we're in right now with Huckleberry House, for example, and Junior Achievement, these are really important needs within the within the city of Columbus and Ohio in general. But just to be able to have our people so passionate about things like that, Ronald McDonald House and, and the like, where it brings our camaraderie together, our teams together when we're serving together too, which is really fun. Um, so I think that we're having a huge impact in that way. Uh, 
I don't ever want to be in a position where we're just constantly taking and we just want to build the next big thing and all that. We're not necessarily interested in, you know, the greatest and biggest project. We just want to have really complex, difficult projects. We thrive on those kinds of things. And just again, having our client be the hero of their story is really important to us. We love professional development here as well as personal. Is there some kind of book, show, podcast you're interested in right now that's really, you know, sparking ideas and Mm -hmm. and just making you feel hopeful and kind of in that forward thinking space? Yeah. So, you know, as I said, I went through some coaching and uh, Don Frerich's um, was my executive coach and he's just an amazing, humble man. And he uh, ascribes to the Zanger Folkman kind of model. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but there's a book of how to be exceptional and the idea, and it's not just an idea, it's data-driven analysis and, and what they do. But the idea is there's 19 core competencies and you want to find, you know, three to four, maybe five that you're really good at and then just ignite them on fire. Like I'm, everybody's going to have some weaknesses as long as it's not a fatal flaw, for example, that's going to prevent you from really excelling. We don't need to focus on weaknesses in the sense that let's bring up our weaknesses because we got some strengths. We want to take those strengths and make them exceptional, like in the 95th percentile comparatively to other leaders. If you can do that, boy, can you affect really positive change. And so for me, that book was the, the, the coaching was phenomenal, but the book really brought it home and tied it all together for me. What's the name of the book again? It's How to Be Exceptional. How to Be Exceptional. Yeah, by Zanger and Folkman. Zanger and Folkman. Yeah. Well, Jamie, thank you. Really yeah. great pace conversation. Learned a lot. Um, really excited to see what Danis and other construction management groups are able to do for their downtowns. I just, in their entire city. So thank you for the time. Thank you so much. I really loved it being here as a guest though. I appreciate it. For our listeners, if you want to learn more all about Jamie's endeavors, please visit www.danis.com. That's D-A-N-I-S. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to let us know by sharing your ratings and reviews on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you may be listening. Your reviews help people find our show and hear our community stories. We read your feedback. We value your ideas as we plan for future episodes. CBuzz is proudly produced in collaboration with Capital University, as I mentioned earlier. And we want to say a special thank you to their talented students, faculty, and staff for helping bring this program to life for our listeners. Once again, I'm Michaela Hunt, your host for CBuzz, the Columbus Chamber of Commerce's business-focused podcast, and we'll talk to you soon.